You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So, um, I want to I want to start with something, and I really felt impressed to lay this out, but it's uh, it's not where I'm going to end. But I really felt like it, it was important to maybe just lay out some like ground rules, if we can say it that way, for communication with the Lord, or I'm going to call them communication constants, and I'll. Exp- I'll explain this, or you'll understand this as I go along, but I like to use the word communicating with the Lord sometimes better than just hearing God's voice. I think that everything that the Lord communicates to us and the ways that He communicates to us ultimately ends up being turned into a word from Him. And here's what I mean by that. If the Lord shows you a picture, if you had a vision or you had a dream, you didn't necessarily hear a word from God. But when you begin to communicate that to your own heart or to somebody else, you use your words, and therefore it becomes a word from the Lord. But the idea of using the the communication between you and the Lord, and when the Lord is communicating to you, it's a more broad idea of how the Lord is taking what He wants to say to you and revealing it to you. And so... We can, we can hear things in the Spirit, we can see things in the Spirit, we can know things in the Spirit. Already talked about this, that we have uh, five senses in the Spirit, at least five senses in the Spirit, just like we do in the natural realm. In the natural, we can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, and it's also true in the Spirit that we can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And so it's really a matter of having things communicated to us and then being able to take that and make it... Uh, make it uh, applicable or, or apply it to our life, that really is the goal. So I like the idea of the Lord communicating. And as I've broadened my scope about how the Lord communicates, I've been able to hear and understand and perceive more things than I did just through the funnel of only thinking about hearing God's voice. Because oftentimes, um, we're looking for God to speak to us, but really what we need is for revelation to come to us. Because whether it is a spoken word, or it's a vision, or a picture, or a dream, so long as God gets his point across and we understand it, we're good to go. And so if we can broaden our understanding a little bit as far as how God communicates, it will really, really help us. Um, Liz and I, and I think a lot of this started a few years ago when we started having dreams. For those of you that don't know, um, the Lord supernaturally injected dreams into our church uh, about four, I think about four years ago. Um, yeah, about four years ago. And what happened was that we started having these dreams and God started speaking to us through the dreams. So it wasn't just praying and asking and then the Lord revealing or just reading his word and the Lord revealing. He started using other methods to get his point and to, and to build relationship with us. So since then, we've had, I can speak for Liz and I, we've had all kinds of encounters with the Lord and God will speak to you in a lot of different ways. I remember one time, and I shared this with you all, we were out and we were going for a, uh, either a walk or a run or whatever, but we were trying to beat the rain and I was like, we can do it. We can get the walk or the run done, whatever we were doing. And so it started moving closer. And I was like, well, we're not going to win here. And so I, then I just took off running. And it didn't matter how fast I ran, I, the rain still hit me. And 
it, and it, all of a sudden I was like, Lord, are you saying something here? Because God will use very natural things sometimes to bring about a spiritual revelation to your heart. And so I said, Lord, what are you saying here? And he said, you can't outrun my reign. It was just like that. You, and it was a good thing. He was saying, I'm your dad, and you can't outrun the blessing and the favor that I've got on your life. Amen. And so the Lord will use all kinds of things to be able to speak to you. I was um, asleep one night, and I was awakened or awakened to the sound of a sheep bleating. Not bleating, but bleating, like that. And when I, when I first woke up, I, you know, sometimes when you're asleep, you don't really know what's, what's going on. No, I, I apologize. That was right as I was going to sleep, and I heard that. And then so it had my attention, and I thought, oh, it just was a thought in my mind, or I'm I'm, I'm hearing things, but I was hearing things, and then I heard it again, and then the Lord spoke to me concerning that, why he was allowing my ears to hear that. I had another time, um, this time I was asleep, and I heard a knock on our bedroom door. And, you know, whenever you hear a knock uh, on your bedroom door, and it's in the middle of the night, and you got kids, it's one of them wanting something, and I'm laying there going, I'm thinking, just be quiet, and they'll go away, you know? <laughs> she didn't hear it, otherwise she would have been up like a good parent would have been, and... Um, <laughs> So, but anyways, I'm laying there, and I hear the knock on the door again, so I opened it up, and nobody was there. Sometimes the Lord just wants to get our attention with things. So, it's not just about hearing His voice. It's about the Lord communicating and us responding to whatever kind of communication He's doing. And when we were dealing with dreams, there was a season after enough dreams, and the dreams were really not of grandeur. Some were, but most of them were like, hey, you've got this little uh, thought going on here that you're not right about this, or you've got a little bit of pride issue going on, or you've had this thing that's attached to you in your thinking and your, your filters off here. That's what most of the dreams were. After a while, I was like, you know, Lord, I'm kind of tired of this. Let's, let's work on somebody else. Not really, but kind of seriously, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I, not really. I was fine with the Lord doing that. Uh, but he, it's, you just got to be okay with the Lord communicating any way that he sees fit. And if we'll just learn from him and glean from him and learn his ways. The word says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Who all can relate to that? That sometimes you're, you're, you need a checkup from the neck up and you realize you got some stinking thinking and you're like, yeah, you know what? God thinks a little bit different than I do about this. But not only is his, are his thoughts higher than our thoughts, but his ways are higher than our ways. And that doesn't mean we go, well, you, you know, and then some people are like, God moves in mysterious ways. You just don't know what the Lord's going to do. And it's like, well, you can add that kind of sound and it doesn't make it spiritual, okay? We are supposed to forsake our thoughts, forsake our ways, and take on God's thoughts and take on God's ways. Learn the ways of the Lord. Learn how God moves. Liz used this word this morning when we were out for a walk, the ebbs and flows of the Lord. Learn how he communicates. Learn how he's speaking to you. Learn communication between you and the Lord. There are things that God will communicate in particular ways to you that are unique to you. He will say things and reveal things to you that are unique to you. So, amen. Praise God. Good introduction. Somebody say good introduction. All right, so I'm going to give you seven communication constants. This is not my message, but I felt it important to reveal these. I'm going to do my best to not preach on any of these, but just to share them. Um, so number one, okay, so if you've got pen and paper uh, or you've got a notepad or something, you need to write this down. If you don't have that, then you need to go home right now. You know, I'm just kidding, but uh, you, I don't know. Uh, you should write this down some way if you can because you're really, really going to want to get this, all right? So communication constants, number one. This is between communica communication between you and the Lord. These are constants. Everybody know what a constant is? It means that it doesn't change, all right? So number one, every person possesses the ability to know and understand him. 
Number one, every person possesses the ability to know and understand him. That means you. You have the ability to do that. Number two, he wants us to understand him. Sometimes people get into relationship with the Lord and they have a hard time understanding what God is saying. And they think, you know, I just don't really know if God's speaking to me. I don't really don't know if God wants me to hear him. I don't know if God wants me to, to know anything. Not true. This is a constant. He absolutely wants you to understand him. And I could use the term here, but again, I want to be more broad. And it's about having the revelation of the Lord come to us to where our understanding is enlightened. Number three, he never gives the silent treatment. Very important. He never gives the silent treatment. You know what the silent treatment is? Uh, that's when you make your wife mad and then she won't talk to you anymore. She, she's giving you the silent treatment. Or it could work the other way as well. And by the way, that's just manipulation. Um, so he never gives a silent treatment. If it feels silent, no, it's not the Lord not communicating with you. He's probably just speaking or ministering or communicating in a way that you're not paying attention to. But God is always communicating. He doesn't ever withhold his communication. He will never give you the silent treatment. Sometimes silence is the Lord speaking to you. I might get into that more just here in a minute. But you know, when, when there's peace, oftentimes that is the voice of the Lord. When you're in the middle of something and you just have peace about it, you're looking for the confirmation. Having that peace oftentimes is the voice of the Lord speaking to you. But he doesn't ever give you the silent treatment. Number four, his revelations rarely come without asking the right questions. Now, I said a constant, and then I used the word rarely, which is, this is kind of like an oxymoron, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if I could define oxymoron, but you get what I'm saying. I'm meaning one thing, but I'm saying something that has an apparent contradiction. Uh, he, his revelations rarely come without asking the right questions. This is something I've discovered uh, very strongly over the past several years that as I'm communicating with the Lord and I'm wanting to understand things, sometimes it will feel like there's a, a halt or it's silent or I'm not getting what it is that I feel like I, I need. And then I'll ask the Lord a question. I'll stumble upon a question or I'll have a question arise in my heart and I'll go, God, what about this? And all of a sudden, revelation starts to flow. Why is that? I don't know. He's just kind of funny like that. And that's maybe more between myself and him, but I've come to find that when you ask the right questions, you get the right answers. So if it ever feels quiet, sometimes what you can do is say, Lord, what question am I not asking you? Start with that question. What question am I not asking you that you want me to ask you? The Lord loves to answer questions. You know, the Lord, how many of y'all know that he's a leader? He's the greatest leader. He is our supreme leader. And I have found this, that when people, and this is also a good nugget for people that you have over you in the Lord, if you want to draw from them, learn to ask them the right questions. Don't come to me about how to change a, a diaper, right? I mean, come, come to me and ask how, how, how to hear from God or something like that, right? So you have to ask the leaders the questions that will draw from them. Well, God knows everything, so you can ask him any question and be able to draw what it is from him that you need. But there's something about asking leaders questions that pull from them the anointing, the understanding, the wisdom, the ability, and the gifting. And it's like it aligns you with what they have to offer you. And so asking the Lord the right questions, I believe, oftentimes is imperative to getting the answer that you need. And it's not that God is withholding, but it puts your heart in a position to receive the thing that you need to hear. Because sometimes we're, we're asking the wrong questions, and so it's, it's almost as if the Lord is going, 
You're asking me the wrong thing, and so I can't even tell you what you need to hear because you're not, you're not thinking right. Because see, God doesn't, he doesn't, uh, sometimes he could speak through an audible voice. One time I heard the audible voice of the Lord, one time, yet I hear the voice of God every day. One time in all of my years have I heard the audible voice of the Lord, but yet I hear God's voice every day. How? He speaks through our inward parts. He speaks from our spirit into the realm of our soul, and he will literally use your mind to help understanding come to you. So if your mind is over here and God is saying here, oftentimes you'll miss what it is that he's saying. Learn to ask the right questions and you'll get the right answers. And again, if you don't know what questions to ask, just, just ask him, Lord, what am, I, what am I not asking you right now? And sometimes that can be scary. <laughs> Unless you've never done it, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But have you ever been in a place where you're like, okay, Lord, what are you wanting to tell me? What do I need to know? So what questions do I need to ask? And next thing you know, you're asking about some, some personal intimate thing, or you're asking about some attitude that you had or something, and the Lord's like, thank you. I wanted to address you on that. And that's how the Lord will do things sometimes. But he's always a good father. Um, here's number five, all right? Here's a constant number five. Communication constant number five. He gives without reproach. Uh, in James chapter 1, around verse 4 or 5, it says that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. I was younger. I asked my dad one time. I said, what does that mean without reproach? He said, that means if you mess it up the first time, you can come back and he'll give it to you again and he won't hold it over your head. I thought, that's really a pretty good answer. You know what? You can mess something up and come back and God's not going to go, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I know what you did last time. No more for you. Would any good father do that to their kid? Of course not. And he's a good father. Has anybody ever had things that God has told you or shown you or revealed to you, and you did either the complete opposite or you royally messed up what it was that God showed you? Anybody? Is there anybody? So we've got four people in here. Thank you. Come on. Who's done that before? Probably every one of you. Do you know that you can go back and you can ask God, even for the, even for the same, you can ask him to help you out of your stupidity because you didn't obey what it was that he told you. He'll not only help you out of your stupidity, he'll give you wisdom to help you move forward from that, po from that point because he is a God who gives without reproach. He communicates to you without holding any of your past over your head. Damn. That's called grace and communication. All right, number six, his words can be corrective, but they are never condemning. This is a constant. His words can be corrective, and I welcome the, cor the correction of the Lord because it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that he who is without correction is an illegitimate child. And I won't even tell you what the King James says because it uses a word that we consider a cuss word. It's not a good thing to never be corrected. But understand this, the correction of the Lord does never brings condemnation. Condem condemnation, shame, is of the enemy. It is not of God. Never has been and it never will be. We have to be able to differentiate that. I heard a man one time and he was much older than me, but he was still yet a babe. And I was in this small setting and... Uh, he spoke up, and it was like in a, you know, just a kind of a Bible study kind of thing, and he spoke up, and uh, he had just gotten saved like two months before, and the guy that was older, supposed to be older than him in the Lord, he didn't know much either, apparently, but this guy speaks up, and he said, the Lord told me, this is what he said, the Lord told me, and he was as sincere as he could possibly be. He said, the Lord told me that if I mess up one more time, he's going to leave me. 
And I was thinking, uh, something is wrong with this picture. And what he was experiencing is condemnation from what he uh, did wrong, whatever the thing was that he did wrong. And he felt that the voice of the Lord was condemning him. But see if you understand that God will never condemn you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. He'll never condemn you. And number seven, here's the last constant, is that he will never violate his word. I, I had, uh, I, over the years, I've had many conversations with people, and they'll tell me things, and they'll say, God told me. And then when you go to the, to the word, or you, if you know the word and you're listening to what they're saying, you can come to the conclusion sometimes that it couldn't have been God that told them that because it violates what his written word says. You got to understand something. If you think that you're hearing something and it violates the word of God, you heard something, but it was not from the Lord. The Lord will never tell you something that violates his word. His word is 100% our plumb line for what is, what is truth. I think one of the greatest ways to hear the Lord, to understand the Lord, simply is by reading his word. But no matter what we are hearing from the Lord, it should always be in conjunction with his word. Because see, there's specifics that God has for you. Move here, do this thing, marry this person, go to this place, take this job. All those things are important. We need to, to hear the Lord on those things. God wants us to know what to do, but you're not going to find them written in here. But what he will never tell you to do is anything that would ever violate what is written in his word. It is the supreme measure of how we measure anything that we're, we're getting, any revelation that we're getting. Can I get a big amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. So let me say this about hearing the voice of the Lord or having, um, and I'm just kind of throwing out some nuggets here that I feel like are really important. Um, when it comes to hearing God's voice, know this, that oftentimes... It only comes in the form of peace, but his voice is never outside of peace. Oftentimes, when you ask something of the Lord and your heart's postured before him, it will only come in the form of peace. I've had this happen many times to where it was like, I'm waiting for the Lord to have writing on the wall. Wouldn't it just be awesome if every time we said, Lord, what do you want me to do here? There was a magic pen that came down from heaven and just wrote in plain block English for us to understand, but it doesn't happen like that. And oftentimes, it can feel quiet, but when you're moving in a direction, you ask the Lord, and what you'll have is you'll oftentimes either have peace or you will have no peace. Let's pull this verse up here, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. Let me show you this, Colossians 3, Colossians 3 and 15. It says this, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Everyone say rule. And so this word rule here is the Greek word, which I don't know how to pronounce, but the Greek word that, that is translated rule here is where we get our word umpire from. Everybody know what an umpire is? It's the guy that stands behind home plate, and then when the pitch is thrown, that he calls either a ball or a strike. And so it's making a call. What this is saying here, it says, let the peace of God make a call in your hearts. So when you're navigating things, then when you come up to something, you need to, de to decide, is there peace or is there no peace? And really, God has given us peace. He's the God of peace. He's the Prince of peace. We have the spirit of peace living on the inside of us. 
Um, we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace. So peace is what we're called to. We're just called to live in peace. So oftentimes the leading is not finding the peace, but it's watching for the lack of peace. Because we, we, there's a lot of decisions. Like people can over-spiritualize things. You ever done that before? Like, oh, like you were just so inside of like, I gotta hear God, I gotta hear God. God's like, God, I don't care. Go to Burger King or go to McDonald's. It doesn't matter to me, you know? <laughs> you know, sometimes we can, we can over-spirit. Don't go to either one of those. Go to like, you know, the, the health food store or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but we can over-spiritualize decisions sometimes and it's really not about hearing God and hearing his voice saying, do this or don't do that, although sometimes that does happen. But oftentimes, it's just, it's just peace. But he will never speak to you outside of peace. He will never lead you something and then have the peace of God at the same time. And Liz and I can give you lots of examples of where we have both done things in the peace of God and we have done things outside of the peace of God. Most of you know the story, so I'll just give a, a quick snapshot. But we bought a house one time and we had no peace. The peace was removed. And this is why you take things slowly. Sometimes you take steps towards things, and it'll feel good, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, actually, I'm not digging this anymore. And that can be the peace of God that all of a sudden, finally, you caught wind of it, and you're like, nope, I'm not going to do this thing. Well, we bought this house one time that we, we took steps, but we violated the fact that we didn't have peace every step of the way, and it cost us dearly. And we were singing that song. Let me tell you this. This is a word for some of you. We were singing that song, um, he takes what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it for good. You know, I've been able to rub the devil's nose in the $50,000 that he stole from me from that rotten, stinking house. I've been able to testify about how God has not only restored, but he has prospered us. He has delivered us. And so I thank God that what the enemy meant for evil, that, that the Lord turned it around for good. And what Kent's stupidity did to get in the, to that trouble, it wasn't so much the devil as it was my own ridiculous thinking and, not, and violating what I knew to be true, which was to be led by peace or to not go where there is no peace. And so we had this, bought the house, history goes on, and God straightened everything else after we had like seven years of hell. You know, we, God's, God fixed it all. But we had another time, and this is really important, well, we had another time where we bought a house about seven years ago. And whenever we went to buy it, like we first went to look at it, and we had just gotten out of the other deal. And I was like, I don't really want to buy a house. But one of us found ourselves looking on Zillow or one of those websites or whatever, and we found this house. And we're like, huh. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want to do this. But, uh, but we went and looked at it. I actually asked Ron. I said, why don't you come look at it with me? Just tell me what you think. And I was expecting the man of God to be like, can't buy this house. You know, but he's like, it looks like a good house. And I'm like, that is not. I mean, naturally, thank you. It was good. But, you know, I wanted that word from God. But, uh. <laughs> what, um, what we did, though, is that we, we looked at it, and I was like, I like this house, and Liz is like, I like it too, but I don't know, and we're back and forth. But the more we thought about it, we just had this drawing towards it. And so we started to move towards it, and, and we made an offer and all these kind of things, and it was like we had so much peace about it. We couldn't describe it other than we just had so much peace about it. And we went. Now, here, this is important. This is really, really important. Maybe if you don't hear anything else I say today, you probably need to hear this. You cannot be led by, you can be led by circumstances, but if you use circumstances as you're leading, it will fail you eventually. Because see, sometimes things can line up and it'd be God, but sometimes things can line up and it'd be the devil. 
Sometimes things cannot line up and it still be God. You can say, Lord, I just pray that five white cars drive by if this be you. Five white cars could drive by and it still not be God. We have to be led by, the, by peace on the inside. That house that we bought that we label as the hell house, that, ho- that house, there were so many things lined up that it was like, ha, had to be God, has to be God, has to be the Lord. But yet we didn't have peace about it. Peace is your ultimate meter as to whether you're doing something right or wrong. And so, you know, we did it even though the circumstances lined up and, you know, even communicating with some people at the time I was like, wow, yeah, you know, my brother's uh, boss owned it. We used to live in it. It was right next door to my parents. The price seemed right. All of this stuff seemed to line up, but yet we didn't have peace about it. So moving forward to this one that we bought, I said I was going to give you the short story and then I just told it all anyways, but anyways, um, so we, when we went to buy this other one, we had so much peace about it. They, we were well qualified to get the, the loan for it. Denied us. Went back again to get it. Denied us. And then the, basically the Lord, I, I guess you could call it a miracle if you wanted to say it that way, but you know, the, the, the sellers were like, we're out. We're ready to sell this thing and your stuff's not together. And our real estate agent said, let me talk to him. And so she had this other lender guy. She said, if I tell them this guy's really awesome, maybe they'll give you another opportunity to go back and get the loan. She did that, went back, and that guy was really awesome, and all of a sudden we got the loan. Well, if we had gone by circumstances, we would have been like, oh, nope, nope, God shut that door. A lot of prayers get prayed sometimes with good intentions, but often leave people in a place of leaving room for the enemy. If you say, if you pray, God, close a door. How many of y'all, don't raise your hand, but a lot of people prayed this, Lord, Close a door that no man can open or shut the door that no man can close. Whatever, you get what I'm saying. Uh, (laughs) That prayer, you know, people pray that. And I think there can be good intentions in that, but what if the enemy gets in there and he shuts a door that God wanted to be open is what I was trying to say. We went to buy this house. God said, essentially, because the peace we had, he was saying, yes, do it. We tried, and the door was closed. We tried again, and the door was closed. What if we had said, Lord, this door is being shut. It must be you. We wouldn't have bought that house. By the way, we bought that house, did some work to it, lived in it for five years. It was a great house, and we sold it, and we made a bunch, bunch of money on it. We would have missed that opportunity if we hadn't followed through with what the Lord had for us. So when you're being led by the Lord, be led by peace. Praise God. I want to tell you how to get even in the realm of peace, I want to tell you how to have breakthrough in this area. I'm giving you like four messages rolled in one because I have a lot that I want to say and I have little time to say it. I think Willy Wonka said that, didn't he? Much to do and little time to do it. So uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I want to talk to you about having some breakthrough for just a few moments, having some breakthrough in hearing, some breakthrough in having the perception, the communication, having the knowing, having the revelation that the Lord wants you to have. And a lot of times it's having your spiritual eyes opened up. You know, Paul prayed to the Ephesians and and he wrote to the Ephesians and he prayed this, I pray the eyes of your understanding uh, being enlightened. And so, you know, we have spiritual eyes and sometimes it's just having the veil pulled back. And by by the way, the word revelation, when you see that in the scriptures, it's almost always referring to a veil being pulled back. And whenever we are in darkness in something, and darkness doesn't always mean that you're living in sin, it just means that you're not seeing clearly. 
You ever been in a situation where it's like, ah, I just don't know. I'm just not seeing clearly. What we need is for the veil to be pulled back, for the curtains to be drawn, for light to come in, and then all of a sudden we can see in the situation that was once dark to us, now we have clear vision. And the Lord desires for us to have that. And so oftentimes it's about, it's about being able to see, to know, to perceive, to hear, but to have the light of God shed on the particular situation that will cause us to, to have the understanding that we need. Remember this, that God works in the, in the light, but the enemy works in darkness. Now just because you, you don't know something doesn't mean that the enemy's got a hold of you or something like that. Sometimes we just don't know something that we need to know. So what we need to do is bring the situation to the light so that we can clearly see what is going on. Because when the lights come on, all of a sudden, when you're in the dark room and the lights come on, you can see everything that's going on inside of that room. God wants the lights to come on in your life and your situations. Amen? So this is, um, this is something I want to share with you that it's, be, it's become really, really um, important for me and my walk. And, uh, and I just encourage you to have ears to hear. I don't, I don't ever know, even, even with this number of people, I never know where people are at in terms of, uh, terms of their own walk with the Lord. But I'm going to reveal something to you that I believe is absolutely imperative to having revelation from the Lord that he desires for us to have. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go so far as to say this, that what I'm getting ready to share with you, I believe, is the number one reason why people get so far off on their interpretation of scriptures. The truth is, is that this Bible is not a natural book. Now, what you're looking at here is natural, but what was spoken so that it could be written, so we could read it and speak it as all spirit. And the revelation that comes from this book cannot come from a natural mind. It has to come from the Spirit of God in order to get to the natural mind. When people try and take the Bible and they try and take their, their brain, they try to take their understanding and read it and think they have come to some kind of conclusion... But it wasn't indeed the Spirit of God that brought revelation to them, then they probably have no revelation at all. And if you want to find out oftentimes where somebody is at in terms of their revelation level, listen to how hard they're trying to prove a point. When someone's trying to prove that they're right about something, it's often because they're looking for someone to validate what they don't know to be true or false but they just read it and they've got some kind of an idea and there wasn't true revelation knowledge that came from the word. So when it comes to the understanding of the, of the word and the gospel, and I'm not saying that I have it all figured out, but I will say this, that I talk to many people that, and, and a lot of you can relate to this, you can talk to them and all of a sudden it's like, you see the exact same things in the Word. you got the same revelations, you've got the, the same stuff going on and it is the truth of the gospel. And then you can talk to other, and those people, it's like you're, you're in the same line. And come to find out, they use the same tool that you did to get the same revelation that you did. And then you talk to somebody else, and they don't even believe in the tool that you believe in, and they're off here in la-la land believing something that came from God knows what. You ever experienced that kind of stuff before? I have. So how do we get revelation from the Word? How do we have understanding? How does true enlightenment come from, from God and not from other places? Because the Bible says that the angel, the, the enemy will come dis disguised as an angel of light. I mean, I've met a lot of believers, and we're living in a day and age, and even Isaiah prophesied. He said there will come a time when they will call good evil and evil good. You can't have revelation, true revelation of the Word of God, 
and be calling some of the evil things that they're calling good, you could not believe that if you had had revelation from the Lord. You couldn't do it. You just, unless you just totally violated the word and said, forget you, God, I'm walking away, which almost nobody does that. But it comes down to really having your eyes, our eyes and our understanding open up to be able to perceive, to perceive things. You guys ready to hear how to do that? All right, here you go. So look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In context, he's talking about proper order within the church in terms of spiritual gifts, prophecy, and praying in tongues. But I'm going to give you some nuggets out of here that are really going to help you. And this is going to be, a, this, is a, this is a breaker anointing coming from this word to help you have breakthrough in the area of hearing and perceiving the things that are in the spirit. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he, now listen to every word in here because it's so important. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, when he's talking about speaking um, speaks in a tongue. He's talking about speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. And he says he doesn't speak to men, but to God. Now, in the context of what he's talking about here, he's emphasizing the importance of prophecy over praying in tongues in a public setting, because if people come in and they're just praying in tongues, but people don't have understanding about what they're praying, it doesn't benefit the hearers. But he's also giving some really good insight as to what happens when we pray in tongues. And it says, for he, doesn't, he does not speak to men, but to God. You want to know how to speak to God? You can pray in tongues. You want to know how to hear from God? I'm going to show you this. Pray in tongues. It says, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, this isn't, this isn't saying, and, I, and I've, heard this, I've heard things along these lines of, we don't want to have tongues. We just want to have prophecy because nobody understands what they're saying. They're just speaking mysteries. Actually, what it's saying is that when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking to God, and, and you're speaking not just mysteries, but the mysteries of God. Hold your place there and go back in 1 Corinthians, same book, and let's go back and look here in chapter 4. Excuse me, chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and in verse 6, let's read a few verses here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6, I didn't give that to them back there, so it might take them a minute to pull it up. And then basically he says that we didn't come just with persuasive words of human wisdom. And then in verse 6 he says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. To nothing? That's very Missouri, uh, Missouri slang. Coming to nothing. They're coming to nothing. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, this is incredible. If you just put yourself in the position of these readers, and you have Paul, who has this revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he said that his revelation was the superior revelation, basically, is what he said. And even Peter, he didn't understand it. He said, Our brother Paul speaks things that are so difficult to understand. But they did believe him. And the churches believed him as they received the word of the Lord, and they grew and they continued to grow. 
And imagine being in a place where the leader comes and says, the things that we're speaking to you, you don't have any knowledge of, but we have knowledge of because God's given it to us. Now, now we would call that heresy. They would be a, a, a heretic, a lunatic, a cult leader, all those kind of things. If, if somebody stood up and said, listen, I've got some revelation for you that you don't know about, and it's not even written down anywhere. But what I'm going to tell you is from God, and you just need to believe me what I'm telling you. If anyone ever tells you that, run. <laughs> uh, there, that's, there's a lot of uh, rotten things that have started that way. You know, the whole Mormon church started because Joseph Smith had this visitation from an angel, and this angel told them all of this stuff, but it all totally, completely violated the Word of God. It didn't, wasn't backed up in Scripture. It was a demonic angel that, that appeared to him, and now you've got all these people that are doing good works that are on their way to hell because they've been taken off into another gospel, which it really isn't another gospel. So run if you ever hear anything like that. Today, we have to go back to what the Word of the Lord says. Paul was revealing, and I have time to get into talking about how we know that Paul, what he wrote was Scripture, but it was Scripture, and of course, there's power in the gospel. But imagine being in that place to where someone was telling you something and saying, believe what I'm telling you, for it is the Word of the Lord, even though it's a mystery and you've never heard it before. How did they come to the place to where they could understand the mystery? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it says that when you speak in tongues, in verse 2, in the spirit, the person speaking in tongues speaks mysteries. Look here in verse 3. It says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. What's the next word say? Unless. Everybody say unless. Indeed, he interprets. This is what I've come to find out. You can pray in tongues. And when you do pray in tongues, you should pray that you get an interpretation of what you're praying. Because when you're praying in tongues, according to this, according to religion, you're speaking gibberish and nobody understands what you're saying, so just keep quiet. But according to this, when you're praying in tongues, you're speaking to God mysteries. What mysteries? Whatever it is that God is revealing through his word that people don't understand, those are the mysteries that you're praying in tongues. You want to know how to gain revelation from the Word of God? Go to it, read it, say, Father, I don't understand what that's saying, but you do, and then you start to release tongues, and you watch how revelation will come to you. Because you can't understand. We don't have the ability to understand, to really have true understanding of what the Word is saying unless we have the Spirit of God reveal it to us. And if we don't have a desire to understand what the Word is saying, why in the world would we read it? I found that a lot of times people will read the Bible to try to impress people of all of the knowledge that they have. And sometimes when you listen to people that have so much knowledge, but there's not been any humbling to the point of saying God reveal it, all it does is puff up. Even good knowledge will puff up. Even good knowledge, things that are, that are technically good, if it didn't come from a place of humility, it will cause pride to puff up. It will cause arrogance to come in. 
Praying in tongues, is it's, there's a reason why it's one of the most fought things in the church. When you find somebody that's fighting against tongues, run. You know why? Because they don't have a revelation of what the Word of God says concerning it. They don't know the power of it, and they don't know who their father really is. Anyone that would say tongues are bad or of the devil or any kind of thing like that, their father is not God, they're of the devil. I was, I was kind of rough, actually, but it's true. Because anyone that would say that tongues are not right, that they're not of God, they're not speaking the truth, and lies don't come from God, they come from the devil. It's very simple. And they, might, they may not be intentionally lying to you, but what they're saying is not truth. And that truth that they're giving you is a lie that came from the enemy. The walk in our our Christian walk is not about possessing great knowledge. It's about possessing great revelation. Revelation is what causes people to be thrusted into victory, not knowledge. Lots of people have knowledge of things. Few have revelation. Few have true understanding of what the Word is saying. And I'm not standing up here saying that I've got it all figured out. Listen, the more I read the the Word, the more I realize I don't know. (laughs) It is so vast. It is so incredible. God is so vast and so incredible. Not for a second would I ever stand up and say that I've got it all together. But one thing I have learned is that I know how to get it. And it's not through sitting down through Kent's great ability to obtain knowledge. Liz can tell you, I'm book smart. That's why I say things like nothing, you know. (laughs) There's a verse that says, God preserves the simple. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I had someone recently, they they told me something like, wow, you must have been really smart in school. And I was like, no, actually, I was kind of on the lower end. I had a good GPA because I took gym class and another gym class and a music class and another music class. So my senior year, I looked like I was rocking it, but really, I couldn't even understand Algebra 1. True story. I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I was not smart. But you know what? People look at me sometimes and they think, my God, you are so smart. I'll go, only because of God am I smart. It's not about making you look good, but God will make you look good. You know, people look at you and go, how do you know all that stuff? And really the answer is I just spend time with Jesus. It's like the Galileans where it says, we can tell that these are unlearned men, but we can tell that they've been with Jesus. They knew something. They had a revelation about something. They had a fire in their belly. Things were working for them. You want things to work for you? You want breakthrough in hearing God, knowing God, having revelation from the Spirit? Pray in tongues and you'll get it. Let's continue reading. It says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Let's read this verse again. But even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. And that's not saying that the person who prophesies is better than somebody else. It's just simply saying in terms of manifesting life to the whole church, it's better that you prophesy than just get up and pray in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now let's jump down to verse 13, and I'm just doing this for time's sake. It says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. When you pray in tongues, this is what is happening when you pray in tongues. You're you're immediately, your mind, your understanding, so your physical brain and your mind, which is in your soul, does not know what it is that you are praying. But according to the word of God, when you pray in tongues... You are speaking mysteries to God. 
You don't understand those mysteries until they become revelation to you. Then they're no longer a mystery. But when you pray in tongues, and this is why tongues is my go-to. You ever just been so enamored with something or had such a heaviness come upon you or you're dealing with something, you're like, I don't even know how to pray. Now you do. You go and you begin to pray in tongues. And when you pray in tongues, you're literally bypassing your mind. You ever had a lot of confusion going on in your mind? I'm like, my God, I don't know how to deal with this. Now you do. You take the bypass. You ever gone to a city and there was congestion and then you got on a bypass and you went around all of the congestion and the next thing you know, you're right where you need to be. Ideally, that's how that works unless you're on 270 and that's just as bad as going straight through it, so it doesn't really matter. But that's the idea of it, right? When you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. But it's only at first, because if you look at the verse previous, it's verse 13, it says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. See, there's a, the, uh, heaven has a language, and it's not English. We perceive things, and it comes into English because that's what we speak. So that's how we're able to bring and put things into words, into sentences, into structure things, is that we understand the English language. Although some of you all, I'm not sure if you've gotten anything that I've said so far, so I'm not sure. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's a bad joke. I don't know why I make jokes like that. People are like, yeah, this is good, and I make a stupid joke. Help me, Jesus. Okay. I just want to make sure people are paying attention. That's really all it is. Now I interrupted my flow. What was I doing? What was I saying? When you're praying in tongues, you you don't understand the language that you're praying because it's not, it's, it's a physical tongue with your tongue, but what you're doing in faith is speaking something in your spirit that truly is communication with the Lord. It truly is. It's not just gibberish. It may sound like, in fact, it does. If anyone were to say, oh, I know exactly what they're praying, then a supernatural sign was done to where they heard them in their own language, like in the book of Acts. But generally, when people are praying in tongues, you don't know what you're praying. It could sound a little bit more like Hebrew or a little bit more like uh, Spanish or a little bit more like Chinese or something, but you don't know what you're praying. What you're praying is not, un- it's not uh, relevant to your mind at the moment, but it is to your spirit. And when you are doing that, you are essentially walking in faith, saying, I'm not going to try and figure this out right now. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to bypass my mind. I'm going to bypass the situation. I'm going to connect myself with the Lord, and then I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to believe God for the download, the interpretation of what it is that I'm praying. And when you do that, man, you'll have more answers. You'll have more revelation. You'll have more understanding. You'll have more problems fixed. You'll have more peace. All of that, all of that stuff will begin to work for you better in your life when you pray in tongues. And so literally, whenever I go and I'm dealing with a situation, dealing with heaviness, it doesn't matter what it is, I just begin to open up my, my mouth and begin to pray in the Spirit. I've had people say, doesn't it have to just come upon you? you when I choose to make it come upon me. Yes, that's how it comes upon me. People think that it's just like, I got, I got the Holy Ghost and woo, and I got the tongues, almost like they got a disease or something and they couldn't help it. It doesn't come on you like you can't help it. I mean, you could have an instance where I guess the, the Holy Ghost overshadowed you to such an extent that you begin to pray in tongues, but the natural, normal use of praying in tongues 
is for you to act in obedience to receive the benefits of what tongues has to offer you. This is, this is our go-to thing. If you are ever in a prayer meeting with me, unless I already have a word from the Lord, I will begin to pray in tongues instantly because I want to hear what heaven is saying over the situation. I don't want to just assume that I know what I need to do. Sometimes we assume that we know what we need to do because it's wisdom that worked in the past, but it may not be wisdom that will work in the future. And then we say, God, what happened? Your word just doesn't work. I used it back here, and it's not working this time. This is a different situation. But God knows exactly what you need at the time that you need it, when you need it, and how to apply whatever it is that he has to give you, but you have to hear what heaven is telling you. Sometimes, oftentimes, most of the time, it's not some word that I've never heard before, but it's something that he's already spoken. Because remember John chapter 14, it says that the Holy Spirit is coming and that he will teach you all things whatsoever I've taught you. And he will bring those things to your remembrance. So the more you put the word in you, the more you take the teachings of Jesus and the writings of Paul and the whole book and you put them in you, you give the Holy Spirit something to work with. And oftentimes when I'm in the middle of a situation, it's not that God gives me just some strange word or thoughts that I've never thought before. He'll bring me back to something and I'll go, boom, there's my answer right there. You apply it and you get the breakthrough. And you know the reason that God set it up like that is he doesn't want cookie cutter Christians. He doesn't want people just getting into formulas and saying, I got it figured out. I got news for you. You do not have God figured out. We figured some things out about how to communicate with the Lord and receive from the Lord, but he is still yet a pretty giant mystery. He really is mysterious, but yet there are some things that we can hang our hat on. There are constants that we have that we know about God that we can go to him to get the help in the time that we need, for he is an ever-present help in time of need. Hallelujah. So this is what I would say to you. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost and, and uh, started praying in tongues, then you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost and start praying in tongues. If you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and you don't know how to pray in tongues, then you need to begin to ask the Lord to show you how to pray in tongues. If you're afraid, you need to get over your fear and just step out in courage. If it feels weird to you, great, welcome to the club. <laughs> but if you want to reap the benefits, then you, you step out, you obey what the word of the Lord says, and you'll reap the benefits of it. I promise you, I guarantee you, I'll bet my life savings on it. Which, praise God, we're pretty blessed. It's not that much money, but it would be a lot for us. Not that I have any way to prove it to you, and not that I'm really making a bet because this is church and we don't gamble in church. But when we go out in the parking lot, we can, no, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, this works. This works. This works. And if you just take this and just begin to walk in it and, and apply it, and, and most people don't pray in tongues because it's weird to them. I've been praying in tongues since I was 18, 10 years, <laughs> plus 12. <laughs> and the more I do it, the more revelation comes to me, more understanding. Sometimes it's not about having this big revealing. It's just about needing to know what to do in the situation that you're in. Just pray in tongues for a while. You won't be confused. And religions fought against tongues so hard. And they'll say, God's not the author of confusion. And it's like, well, just because you don't understand, they say it just like that too. <laughs> just because you don't understand it and you are confused doesn't mean that it's not of God. Who could say that you understand some things of the Lord now that you didn't understand last year or five years ago or 10 years ago? 
Was that the devil or just your lack of understanding? It was your lack of understanding. Amen. So what was confusing, now you've come into alignment and you have understanding of it. And now you got breakthrough. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in breakthrough. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't just want a, a partial measure of freedom. It's like, you know what, when you get born again, it's like you step into a measure of freedom. And yeah, you're going to go, you're going to go home to be with Jesus one day, but I don't want to just live and be in existence and not really live. I want to operate in the fullness and the abundance that Jesus has come to give us. That wasn't talking about, here's how you know, that wasn't talking about just an eternal abundance because it says the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come life that you might have it in abundance. How do we know that that's for here on this earth? Because when we're in heaven, the thief will no longer have access to us. He ain't talking about in heaven. He's talking about right here, right now, between, between when we get saved, born again, Come in a relationship with Jesus until we go home in a ripe old age. We should live an abundant life. How do you do that? you got to get connected up with God. How do you do that? Throw down the flesh. Embrace the gift of praying in tongues, which there's so much more I could say about it. And begin to tap into what the Spirit of God has to offer. This is why Jesus said pray as it, as it is in heaven, so it will be done on earth. It's not just a prayer you pray. It's a reality you live from. It's this reality that every situation that you're in, that you're dealing with, you know what's good, you know what's bad, you know what's of God and you know what's not of God, and then you begin to pray accordingly that what God has in heaven will literally manifest itself in your situation. And when you live from that reality, it changes how you approach God. Instead of saying, Lord, your word says, now perform, you'll say, Lord, your word says these things, but show me what I'm missing. Show me what's blocking. Show me things that need to be moved out of the way. Show me where my revelation needs to increase so that what you have promised will work in my life. And breakthrough comes when you just cooperate with it. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit OvercomersChurchInternational.com.